0: everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. I am re-airing an episode I did with my dear friend, Kate Northrup, on having a better relationship with money, being more abundant, upgrading your money mindset, shifting your emotional blueprints around money, and so much more. Her last program was so successful. She's opening up the cart again for a Relax Money program, and I'll tell you more about that in a second. And she really is the one person I recommend when it comes to upgrading your relationship with money, upgrading your finances, because she looks at it holistically. It's not just tactics for what to do with your budget. I don't even think she uses the word budget. It's more of an energetic shift. It's also not super woo-woo. It's grounded in reality and grounded in what makes what makes changes in your life. It's one of the many things I love about Kate. She's deeply holistic, highly attuned to how our nervous system and our emotions and our subconscious impacts all aspects of our life, especially our relationship with money. And she's very pragmatic and likes to give you action steps. So if you haven't listened to this interview, definitely have a listen. And if you've listened to it once already, consider listening to it again. And if you didn't enroll in her program the first time it came out around the spring, maybe now is your time. You can learn more about her program at christinehassler.com slash relax money. You only have until November 3rd to enroll in this program. If you are hearing this, you know, November 4th or 5th, and you really want to still get in, I'm sure you could send her team an email say, Hey, I heard you on Christine's podcast. Can you let me in? But really November 3rd, the cart closes. And, and on October 26th, The price goes up. So you will want to enroll before October 26th so you can save that $500. I think the price of the program is very, very reasonable for what you get. You get so much value from this and truly changing your relationship with money, changing the energy you have around money changes your life. So again, you can go to christinehaster.com slash relax money and that's where you can learn more. All right. And now onto my intro and my conversation with Kate Northrop. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Coach's Corner. I'm thrilled to bring you this episode because I know that so many of you out there would love to have more money to be relaxed about money, to not have stress about money, to really understand money, to have a different relationship with money, to really feel empowered and free when it comes to money. And one of my dear friends and the number one person I recommend when anyone has a question about how to shift my relationship with money, Kate Northrup joins me today. I've known Kate for many years and she's an incredible teacher and has such valuable insight and practical tips in this interview today. So I think you're really going to enjoy it. A little bit more about Kate. As an entrepreneur, best-selling author, and mother, Kate Northrup has built a multimedia digital platform called The Origin Company that reaches hundreds of thousands globally. She's committed to supporting ambitious women to light up the world without burning themselves out. (laughs) key distinction. Kate teaches data and soul-driven time and energy management practices that result in saving time, making more money and experiencing less stress. She's the author of Money, A Love Story and Do Less and the creator of the Do Less Planner System. Her work has been featured all over the place. She lives with her husband and their two daughters in Miami. Before we dive in, I want to thank my sponsor for this week, which is Organifi. You've heard me talk about Organifi. You know that I love them. Last night, I had my dinner and I really wanted something sweet and something calming, but I didn't really want to eat sugar, even coconut sugar. I just was like, I have my, my body, my, my nervous system it doesn't need sugar. I want to really sleep well. And so I made myself up a cup of Organifi Gold, which is their turmeric mix. It is so delicious. Let me tell you a little bit about Organifi Gold. It has 12 superfoods for rest and relaxation. So great to have before bed. It's 100% USDA certified organic. Tastes delicious either in warm water, but I love it in like I, I had coconut milk in it last night. Almond milk, even regular milk would be great. You can wake up refreshed without drowsiness and supports a better night's rest. So you can wake up feeling refreshed, but you don't have to drink it at night. I've even drank it in the morning and just I just feel calm. I don't feel tired because it doesn't have any of those like fake pick you ups or put you down. It's just all organic yummy spices and mushrooms. Other thing that I really respect about Organifi and why I use it and why I trust it, especially why breastfeeding is it is certified glyphosate residue free, which is big in today's world. So if you want to get 20% off all your Organifi products, go to Organifi.com slash over or use promo code overit it and check out Organifi is spelled dot com slash over it 20% off no matter how many times you order use promo code over it at checkout. All right, everyone. And now on to my interview with Kate Northrup. Kate, welcome back to the show. I'm thrilled to have you here. I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I love having, first of all, friends on the show, but also friends I really admire and respect. And I don't know how long I've known you. It's been over a decade for sure. And- watching your career and your family and just your consciousness grow over the years, um, like I said, has really been inspiring. And you are someone whose work I recommend frequently. When anyone has any kind of money stuff, I recommend Money Love Story. And now there's going to be new things I can even recommend that you're putting out there. But you're just a really embodied leader in this space, especially for, for all people, but especially for women. And anyone that doesn't know Kate, she is... Uh, one of my role models in terms of really simplifying life, really getting super clear on what matters, what's important, while at the same time having a really abundant, full life. So, thanks for being my friend and and a role model for me, Kate.
1: Thanks, Christine.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, one of the topics that comes up so frequently on this show is money. And how it relates to self-worth. And my audience, those that have been with me a while, know that we talk a lot about on the show how, for lack of a better way to say it, our net worth relates to our self-worth. But I look at money as a relationship just like anything else is. And we look at our personal relationships. If those aren't going well, we do some personal development. We look at our health. And if that isn't going well, we often look to personal development. But often when we look at money, we go into more of a logical problem-solving or a victim mentality instead of really going a personal development route when it comes to money. And I'd love to just start out, and this is a broad question and a deep question, so I'm sure we'll have many tangents from this point, but I'd love to just open the conversation. From your perspective, why is our relationship with money a personal development issue?
1: Because money is just invented. Humans made up money. So money is pretend It's a system that we've been using for thousands of years, but there's not one country left that's on the gold standard. So the way we use currency, and certainly then if you get into like Web3 and the blockchain and, you know, cryptocurrencies and all this stuff. Anyway, we won't really need to go there today. (laughs) The truth is like money is just pretend. It's a game we are all playing. And so we need to play the game in order to participate in society, but What's really important to know, money is not like physics, you know, like the laws of physics just are money. Isn't just is right. (laughs) Like we just invented it. It's pretend. And so that's why it's really important to incorporate it into our personal development because money is a system that humans invented to be able to trade things that they value. And when it comes to what we value, that is a deeply emotional topic. We don't all value the same things. I mean, the political situation in the United States makes that very clear Um, that we don't all value the same things. The same things are not important to every single person. And so our values and our relationship with money is deeply emotional. And so then we think oh the way to fix it is just to like get the right financial plan and balance my budget properly and use enough discipline to keep myself in line it's not it money is emotional and so we need to approach it the same way we would our romantic relationships the same way we would healing our childhood trauma It's just another energetic currency in our lives that's impacted by our emotions and our energy. And when we treat it in that same category, we're able to actually really heal our relationship with money and show up with it powerfully very much the same way we're wanting to show up powerfully and beautifully in our romantic relationships.
0: I think that's such a good thing for so many good things you said in there. One of the things that really struck me, and this is a conversation I have a lot, is that money is made up. <laughs> it's like the laws of physics, yes. Love is not made up. It's a very real thing, but it is this game. And one of the things I've noticed when it comes to money is often there's a lot of story and anger and even resentment at money. Like money is evil or you know, money is what my parents fought about all the time. And what I remind people is, you can have anger at money, but you if you're going to live on this planet, you still have to play the game like yeah. it's an it's an inevitable thing. You have to come to terms at some point with your relationship with money, and it's just like when I'm coaching women in our be the queen program, we work a lot on okay if you don't put if you don't heal your anger and your issues with men, how are you ever going to bring in a great relationship? I, I know you've been hurt in the past, but if you keep projecting that hurt on your future. You're never going to have the relationship you want. So if we bring that over to the money conversation, how have our issues with money in the past or perhaps the way we grew up around money, how does that influence our relationship with money today? Yeah.
1: So in a couple of different ways, and I think the most important way that has been left completely out of the personal finance conversation to my knowledge is the way in which our childhood experiences create a set point in our nervous system for how much abundance feels comfortable to us so we have a nervous system set point for how much love we're able to receive for how much pleasure we're able to receive and for how much money we're able to receive not just like how much is in our bank account but literally how much abundance we are able to feel. Because somebody who has a nervous system set point for lack could have millions of dollars in the bank and still be experiencing lack. So it's not always about like, oh, if I have more money, it's just going to fix it, right? Actually, largely, that's not the case. And we can talk about that in a minute. But our nervous system gets these imprints based on intense, stressful experiences that we grew up in and especially when we didn't have the tools or the support at that time to process and metabolize those emotions they those events and those situations get stuck in our bodies and they get stuck as nervous system patterns and our nervous system is very wise and beautiful and the adaptation is that it will recreate scenarios that are similar to our childhood experiences over and over in an attempt to close the emotional loop. And until we actually consciously close that emotional loop, we will keep our nervous system thermostat setting at the same setting as it was in our childhood. And so if you grew up in a situation of financial stress, No matter what you do, if you don't heal those deeper layers on a physiological level, you'll continue to create situations of financial stress, even if you're using the right budgeting software, even if you get a multiple six-figure salary, even if you marry somebody really wealthy. like All these things that we think are going to fix our problems will not unless we heal it at a deeper level more unconscious level? Now, I don't remember your question anymore, but that was... Part
0: of the <laughs> that's okay. You answered it. And my listeners know every time I do it, well, not every time, I would say 90 to 95% of the time when someone calls in to get coached on the show and they have an issue, I always direct it back to their past. Unless I don't see a connection there, unless it's something really obvious that's, that's not related to their past. But it's, it's we're constantly or consistently is a better word, looking to resolve the unresolved issues and wounds, the losses, the things we didn't get in childhood as adults. And money's one of the areas that we do it. And I love that you said you can be very wealthy and still have unresolved money issues because often if we have that like lack of confidence, that insecurity, I mean, I can speak for myself. I was very successful at a young age because I was painfully insecure and I was trying to prove something. So I had money in the bank, but it was not um, solving my problems. And the, you know, I just had to keep raising the bar to make more, have more until I finally got on my really um, journey of personal development and learned that my relationship with money was really connected to trying to prove something in the world. So for people that, you know, my listeners, a lot of this is reminders to them. They, They know it, but they see themselves still stuck. Like they've done the personal development work, but they just can't seem to, they're just still living paycheck to paycheck. Or, you know, I can think of a client right now who is coming back for coaching because she did all the personal development money came in, but she couldn't hold it. Like she couldn't sustain it. And it's back to that place of paycheck to paycheck. So can you speak a little bit about that and some, what, what causes that?
1: Yeah. So What causes that is is having a thermostat setting in our bodies that experiences having money as unsafe because it's unfamiliar. So anything that we experience in our adult lives that we don't have a reference point for from previous experience in our very formative years, usually before the age of seven, will may feel unsafe. Not because it's actually unsafe, but because it's it's un it's unfamiliar. And anything that's unfamiliar immediately gets registered by our survival mechanisms as unsafe. The great news is it's really easy to signal to your body that you're safe, and so that's why I incorporate embodiment practices, somatic practices, nervous system healing into the work that I do with people around money. Because when we learn to signal to our bodies that we're safe, the sky really becomes the limit with our abundance and not just with the number. Again, I'm so glad you shared your own experience of having like a lot of money in the bank, Mm -hmm. but still having that energy of trying to prove something because that, that now you've really healed that pattern. Like, Again, I really want to say because I would imagine you have listeners who are at a range of income levels and the lie that society tells us is that having more money will fix all our problems. And yes, like if you're not able to put food on the table or pay for shelter for your family, for sure, having more money is definitely going to fix a lot of those those basic those like ground level or foundational problems. But our relationship with money is what heals our problems, not just adding more money into an unhealthy scenario. And so first off for this client that you're talking about, there needs to be created a relationship with money that money is safe. I am safe with money. Money is safe with me. And, to, and the way we do that is to first learn to signal our bodies, to signal our deeper nervous system patterns that it's safe to have this paycheck. It's safe to keep more money in the bank than we've ever had before. And to begin to associate safety with that. And there's, you know, a million different nervous system healing tools. I have some favorites, but One of the ones that we can all just practice right now is just as you're listening, just notice gravity. What does gravity feel like right now? Where is your body in contact with a solid surface where gravity is holding you on the surface of the earth? Hmm. And that alone is one simple safety signaling practice. We think like, oh, if I'm having trouble and now I'm living paycheck to paycheck, I must have a budgeting problem. And like, that's true. There's obviously some sort of math problem, but we won't fix the math problem long-term sustainably unless we first learn how to let our systems know that we are safe with money. And then once you learn that you're safe with money, your behavior tends to sort of change automatically. You don't have to do that much work in order to change the behavior.
0: Let's talk about guilt with money because that's another thing that comes up a lot is having money and being guilty about it. I can give another client, and we eventually got to the other side of this, who inherited quite a bit of money. In fact, I've had a couple of clients like that mm-hmm. and felt this tremendous pressure to have to be an entrepreneur go work, go generate, basically earn as much as they inherited. And like a, a shame over even, you know, letting people know that they had any money. Like if they got a, let's say at least a new car, nothing fancy, but people be like, well, how are you for that? You're not working. And just so much shame and guilt. And even um, I'm sure listeners, as you've started making money, seeing other people who don't have as much and just feeling guilt or even shame about that. Can, you, can we dive into the guilt and shame around money a bit?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's, I'm going to be a bit of a broken record, but then we're going to go somewhere else with this too. That's also a nervous system constriction pattern. Mm -hmm. So what we know is that 20% of the information, uh, communication in our bodies travels from our brain to our bodies. 80% of the information travels from our bodies to our brain. So we think like, Oh, all I have to do is change my thoughts. And that's great. That is 20%, right? Like for sure. And I'm a big believer in changing our thoughts. And we also need to actually change, learn to change how our, our physiology is responding. And so what will happen is there's a constriction pattern of like, this is unsafe. And because in society, there's a lot of messaging we get that rich people are evil. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you look at the plot line of so many of the biggest movies of all time, Little Orphan Annie, Cinderella, (laughs) Mm -hmm. if you think about just the plot lines, it's over and over and over again that rich people are bad or evil. And so... You really want to, like, take a look at the programming. And then, of course, of course, because of that programming, that unconscious programming, you would suddenly go into a constrict, not suddenly, but you would have a constriction pattern around having abundance. Because we've been taught that people who have money are bad or have done something bad to get it or have or are automatically, if somebody has more, then somebody else has less. That somehow if you have more, that you've taken it from somebody else, which is just the zero, you know, that's the zero sum mentality. What we actually know is that there's enough resources to go around for all of us to live really well. And so I want you to hear that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Like that's based on my research. That's not just, that's not my philosophy. That's, that's facts. (laughs) There are enough resources on planet earth for us to be healthy, all of us, and to live good lives. Mm. And so we do have a misdistribution of resources, but unless you're like, you know, spending your money on building a rocket to go to the moon, you're probably not one of the primary people who needs to be thinking about redistribution in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and those people are probably not listening to this. And like, also maybe they can have rockets. I don't know. That's like a whole other conversation we can talk <laughs> about but not today. But so to know that it's really going to be important to learn what, that when you start to feel guilty, to have some techniques and strategies to signal that you're safe. Mm. Because otherwise what you'll end up doing, what we, what many of us end up doing, and I will be, I grew up with uh, two parents who are doctors. So I grew up with plenty of money. And that doesn't mean that I didn't have financial problems. And that doesn't mean that I didn't grow up in a financially stressful situation. And so we also need to question the way we assume about other people that because they have money, they don't have problems. And we do a huge disservice to ourselves. Because it's a lie, right? It's a lie. And it's a way we dehumanize each other. And so if you're having feelings of guilt or shame, number one, get yourself get yourself some some healing tools, some breath work, some emotional freedom technique, you know, tapping. And I'm sure, Christine, you have some that you are mm-hmm. your go-tos that you talk about all the time, too. Some techniques, some tools that when you're spinning in that guilt feeling and you're thinking like, oh, God, I have to go work now 80-hour weeks to suffer enough to prove that I deserve to have this kind of abundance, right? That's a very common thing that'll happen. Like I have also had clients who've inherited a lot of money and who feel guilty and like they can't do anything with it because it's not really theirs. Right. So so that's a whole other thing. But, um, and then number two is to really begin to question the thoughts. So once you learn to feel safety in your body and say like, it's actually safe for me to engage with this money. It's safe for me to be here. It's safe for me to be a human being with resources. Then you can also begin to question those be- those beliefs, those thoughts like, oh, isn't that interesting? So I'm feeling guilty right now. Who what Whose voice is that? Mm-hmm. Specifically. <laughs> Specifically, whose voice is it? Not like, oh, that's the fear of what people on social media will think. Who? Like who? Yeah. <laughs> Cause the truth is most of us are playing small because of like one person we went to third grade with who we think is gonna like see an Instagram.
0: Post. Yeah. yeah. What I mean. it's yeah. Ridiculous or this imaginary group that. of people that's sitting and thinking, Oh, when's cake in a post? I can't wait to judge her. You know, it's it's oh. such a thing that we make up in our heads. So I love that you're saying who and write it down. Write down these people write that you think down. is gonna judge you. Yeah. yeah.
1: Oh my God, a hundred percent. I had a situation a couple of years ago where I was noticing constriction and it wasn't specifically around money, but it was related to power. And your relationship with money is intertwined with your relationship to power because the degree to which we are conscious around our money and in healthy relationship with our money is very related to how powerful we can be. And so if you're having a thwarted relationship with your money, you're having a thwarted relationship with your power. And so this was something around power for me and I unpacked it and I had a coach really like hold my toes to the fire and be like, who is it? And what are they saying in your head? And it was literally, I unpacked and realized like, I am scared of this one random ass person eating my stuff and judging me and coming after me. And like. I'm not going to give them that much power.
0: No, no. So after you write your list down of who you think is going to judge you, ask yourself, would I want this person's life? Would I go to this person for advice about my life?
1: A hundred percent.
0: And if both of those answers are no or not even a hell yes, then why are you giving them, like you said, any power? And this is, again, one of those loops, one of those nervous system loops of feeling so confident and thinking nothing was wrong with us, and then somebody saying something. And all of a sudden we realize, oh my gosh, maybe there is something wrong with me. Maybe I'm not this and that. And our, and our confidence gets, gets a little shaken. And that's something that happens in our formative years, as you said. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's amazing to me, even though I've been doing this for 20 years, how pretty much everything in our present has a root to our past. Any any block, any pattern, any loop that we're in, it definitely has a root to our past. And that's why personal development work, again, not to sit and psychoanalyze ourselves for days and days and days and years and years and years, but to one, have some compassion. Because to me, when I'm frustrated with a situation, if I know the root cause, it gives me some power because I'm empowered what? with the information. Whereas if I'm just sitting going, in, in victim or making myself wrong, because that's where I see people are, especially with money. It's either life works out for everyone else. I grew up without money. I didn't have a good start and I'm just going to struggle in the victim mentality or blaming. I can't get it together. I'm not smart enough to make money. What's wrong with me? I'm not good enough to get a job. And these are the two places I see a lot of people in either the victim or the the self blame and they're two sides of the same pole, neither one is healthy. so if anyone's in that or even just notice that you have patterns of going to that, I would love for Kate for you to share both like a an action step, like a tangible kind of more goal line action step of how to move out of those polarities, and also and maybe it's just repeating what you said that soul line personal development move to help us get out of either the, I'm a victim or it's all my fault.
1: Yeah. Okay. So this is great. I mean, I really, I love taking action from a place of alignment. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I do think that we can just take an action step and it'll actually get us into alignment. And so I, I'm an Aries. I'm like, I'm such a like, just do something about it. (laughs) So I love that. And so sometimes what we need is actually to prove to ourselves that we can, that what I want to say is in those moments, we're having a, a a crisis of confidence, right? And one of the best ways to increase our confidence is to take an action step so that we can begin to trust ourselves, to say like, "I oh, look, I just did that, like to build that self-belief. And so I am a huge fan of doing a brain dump of every, when I, if, if certainly this would happen far more in the past, but what I would do is let's say like a launch wasn't going well, or I was freaked out about money for some reason, I would do a brain dump of every single action step I could possibly think of. That could get me to the result or contribute to me getting to the result I wanted. So let's say I'm just going to come up with a hypothetical situation. Let's say I needed to make thousand dollars by the end of the week for some particular reason. I one of my favorite strategies is to sit down and like do a brain dump and maybe even call a friend to have them help do a brain dump of every single action step I could possibly take and come up with like 10 to 15, maybe even 25 different things I could do. And then look at that list and suddenly feel abundant. Because when we know that we have a list of 25 possible action steps that we could personally take to move to like meet the universe more than halfway, the universe will meet us more than halfway. And it suddenly feels abundant because then we don't feel hopeless anymore. So that's an action step that I love to do: is create a really abundant list of all the things I could possibly think of to like contribute towards making that thousand bucks by the end of the week.
0: I love that because it gets us in a generative space. And if we look at yes. money as a game, and if we look at it as having energy and, and momentum, and you know, I have the image of you know money coming out of a slot machine or you know people whipping dollar bills. It has movement to it. Money has movement, and if we're stagnant and we're just in paralysis and panic, which we go into a lot, which I want to get to in a second, then how can we be generative? So I love that. I love that. It's just like, just do something. (laughs) Just do something to get the momentum going. I do want to just skip back to for a second about survival because I really want to honor and have compassion for people who do get into that paralysis panic state with money. Because even though we're saying money is a game, there's a lot of fear when it comes to money. And when people are, you know, don't have money, don't know how they're going to pay their rent, don't know how they're going to pay for medicine they need, don't know how they're going to support their kid, it can definitely create such a sense of fear and panic because it does hit a survival skill. It's sort of like if we can't, if you don't have, can't find food, it you are going to go into a bit of panic because it's like, how am I going to survive? So I'd love for you to address that for people that really, it really hits their core survival wound and they just go into panic. And no matter how hard they try, there's just so much fear that just feels overwhelming at times.
1: Yeah. So great. Okay. I'm so glad you asked this question. So, you know, we can go into panic and really sort of baseline survival around a lot of things. And sometimes, um, it's triggered by a situation that's actually very real, in terms of like, nope, this is actually like, I'm not gonna be able to feed my kid today. Yeah, And sometimes we go into that state as though we're in a situation where we can't find food, but actually we're not. And so the first step it would be the same in either case. And that is to, I mean, one of my favorite tools because it's like so accessible and it just works, is to, if you can, And most people are in a scenario where they can do this, even if it's like a tiny patch of grass outside in a, in a concrete jungle to take off your shoes and go stand barefoot on the ground. And I know you're going to feel like, (laughs) really, that is your suggestion. (laughs) But what happens is it's, it's kind of mystical, but it's also scientific. Our nervous systems cannot help, but co-regulate with the frequency of the of the earth, of nature. When we stand on the ground barefoot, or better yet, if, if you can lie down on some grass or some dirt, and just lie down and like get yourself back into the energetic frequency of your origin, which mm-hmm. is nature, which is an infinitely abundant system where there is more than enough for everyone. So that will often help people pop out of that panic response. You can also go hug a tree or sit with your back against a tree trunk. That really works well too. Then, after that, you can use the halt method to determine if you're having a thinking error. And so the halt method is asking yourself, is what I'm thinking right now is it helpful? So that's the H. Is it helpful? Is it accurate? That's the A. Is it loving? And is it true? And if there's any one of those things that is a no, so if it's not helpful, if it's not accurate, if it's not loving, and if it's not true, then chances are really good you have on your hands a thinking error And you may not actually be in as desperate of a survival situation as you think. And what happens is when we can first regulate our bodies and get back to the frequency of our abundant origin by connecting with nature. And then number two, when we can identify, am I having a thinking error right now? Then it gets us back into operating our brains with all of our faculties and having a much wider perspective where we can see possibilities that we cannot see when we're in that baseline panic survival mode.
0: Mm, I love that. Can you go through those letters again? Just each one.
1: Yeah. So, so the acronym is HALT. And the first one is, is it helpful? So I am thinking to myself, I'm going to end up living in a box on the street. Is that a helpful thought? No. Okay. So is it helpful? (laughs) Is it accurate that I'm sitting here thinking like, if this, if I don't get a coaching client by the end of the month, if I don't get my first paid coaching client by the end of the month, I'm going to end up living in a box on the street with my kids. Is that accurate? Probably not. No. Is it loving? Is that a loving thought? No. And is it true? Is it true? that if I don't get a coaching client by the end of the month, I'm going to end up living in a box and I need to panic about that all day. No, it's not mm-hmm. true. <laughs> so H-A-L-T, helpful, accurate, loving, true.
0: I love that. That's such a great, it's such a great tool. And again, using a tool like that gets our mind in a different place. Um, Cause so often panic, panic attacks, all that we time travel. We're not in the present moment we're triggered. Our subconscious mind is running the show. So using tools like that, in addition to going out in the grass and it tr- it's true, it works. It really, really works. Works for jet lag too. Um, just going out that. and yes. getting in, you're in the grass and then you can do, you can do the halt while you're in the grass, make it a, yes. make it a double whammy. Um,
1: I love that idea. It'll be more effective. The other thing to know is that we think that creating financial pressure on ourselves and anxiety and being in a grippy energy around it is like somehow we've sort of gotten the message that the harder it is for us or the more we grip or the more we sort of tense our eyebrows and get serious about it. And like the more we worry about it, somehow the better our financial situation is going to (laughs) be. And it's actually the opposite. Uh, Like being in a state of financial anxiety and constriction is kind of a money repellent, um, or at least it's an abundance repellent. And so the the more tools we have on board, or or the more effective tools we have on board to get ourselves back into a state of flow, like our original state, you know, and it's essentially right, it's that toggle. Am I am I acting out of fear or am I acting out of love? And our true nature is love. So the good news is like that is our default. And so the the more we can get into that place, um, the more we can then think of really great marketing ideas and become mm-hmm. magnetic to opportunities and become like really great to be around, which also is great for our businesses and great for money or great for our work lives.
0: Mm, I love that. I want to talk a little bit about intimidation when it comes to money, finances, investing, budgeting, all that kind of stuff, because for a lot of people – they have a story um, that they aren't smart when it comes to money or, you know, stock markets, finances, financial planning, all that stuff is really intimidating. And so it's sort of like that, you know, reminds me of a little kid when they c- cover their eyes and plug their ears and go la, 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 and just pretend it doesn't exist and have a an approach to finances of like, I'm just not going to look at that or deal with that and just keep it, keep it simple. And I I love keeping money super simple. However, if we're too simple with our money, we're not really making our money work for us either. So I'm asking a lot of questions in this, in this question. But I'll start with for people that are intimidated when it comes to money, financial planning, learning about money, being a little, increasing their financial IQ, what advice do you have for them?
1: So number one, I just want to say that the powers that be like the financial industry makes it sound complicated to keep people feeling like they're not smart enough so that they don't participate so that they remain disempowered because the whole system of hierarchical power benefits from people feeling like they can't figure it out. So just know that like you can and it's a lie. It's not complicated. Money is like so freaking simple. There's it's it's simple mathematics that my 7-year-old can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and so let's just agree that money is simple. It's very simple. The financial vehicles that people have created because of the game might feel complicated, but anybody who you're working with to invest your money or for financial planning or whatever, they work for you. So my grandmother um, inherited a lot of money and she would say things like, the bank has been very good to me this year. And her mentality was that it was random mm. and that she wasn't a participant. And her mentality was not the tr- truth, which is that all the investment people and the bankers and all that worked for her. So if you're in a financial meeting and somebody says a term or is describing something in a way that you don't understand, the power move is not to sit there and pretend that you know what's going on. The power move is to get them to explain it to you in a way that you understand because they work for you. You're in the power position when you're in those meetings. They work for you. You don't work for them. You're not there to please them. And our money loves it when we are powerful and when we ask great questions and when we get clarity. So I promise you with some simple engagement and starting to have conversations with people around money and starting to read things about money and engage with it a little bit every day, you're going to find like, oh, actually, this is not that complicated. And I can totally do this. And if you, for, for, I know you have both men and women in your audience, but I will say for the women listening, what the data shows us is that women are actually really naturally quite good with money. We're naturally, actually better investors than men. We're naturally really good at managing money. And so I just want to blow up that inaccurate belief that, like, you might just not be smart with money. Not one person. I mean, is Athena smart with money? (laughs) Like, not one person was born being good with money. Like, it's a skill set that we learn. Not one person was born walking. Not one person is born talking. Like, it's a skill set we learn. And so you can learn it just like you can learn to ride a bike.
0: Yeah. Yep. Yep, we can. We we all can. And,
1: and can really fun. I also want to say like, it doesn't have to be about discipline and like learning all this hard stuff and making your brain have a cramp. I make learning about money super fun and super pleasurable and light because we're not going to do it if it doesn't feel good. And we really need to change the whole landscape. If we want money to do for it, what we want it to do, which is enhance our lives and allow us to expand and have great opportunities and to have more fun in our lives and to have more lightness, then we need to engage with it with the very energy that we want it to bring into our lives.
0: Update. That's so true. It's so true. What, what are your, some of your favorite, if someone's just looking at, to budget, you know, and budgeting sounds. So it's like, Hmm, do I want to do my budget or go get a root canal? It just just doesn't (laughs) sound like a super fun thing. What are some of your ways to make budgeting more fun?
1: Okay. Well, first of all, I don't really like the word budgeting budgets Mm -hmm. to me sound like diets, like they're meant to be broken. Um, so I, now this is, this is how I engage with money. So you'll get a little insight into my world. If, if I don't like a word, I just change it. (laughs) And if I don't like the vibration of something, I just change it. And so I like to call it a spending plan because a spending plan helps. I love planning. I have a whole do less planner system and like I am a planner. So having a spending plan just sounds fun to me. It's like, oh, it's a plan for all the fun things I get to do with my money this month. So I like calling it a spending plan. I do use a a software, though, that is called youneedabudget.com, so YNAB. Um, I'm not an affiliate of theirs or anything, but I just love their product. So I use YNAB. Um, it's like an online envelope system. And so um, that's basically like we take our money that comes in every week and we allocate it based on our past spending behavior and we put it in these sort of digital envelopes. So every dollar that comes in every week has a job. And it feels really good to me because I know that, like, this is the amount we've put aside for groceries. This is the amount we've set aside for whatever. And then if groceries end up being more expensive, which they tend to be these days, like we can take it from one of the other envelopes and we're not taking it from our financial future, right? Like Mm -hmm. it kind of like works itself all out in the wash. And so I really like that particular system. Um, and we use, YNAB with a system that I learned from Amber Duggar, who runs a program called Profit for Keeps um, that I'm a huge fan of. And we use that both for our business and for our personal.
0: I I love that. You do make teaching about money so fun. You really, really do.